Well, hello there. Welcome back to another edition of the My Two Cents Podcast. This is my wrestling review of WWE's Crown Jewel 2023. Crown Jewel happened yesterday. It was a fun event. Um, WWE has been going to Saudi Arabia. They mentioned since 2018. This is another one of their uh, special events from Saudi Arabia. And um, I'm just going to say it was a fun event. It was not one of their better events. I'll say last what their last one was one of their best ones because of the tag team matchup of Solo and Roman going against Kevin Owens and Sammy. That's the big thing that came out of that from their last uh, premium live event that happened in Saudi Arabia. This show here, it was it was fun. Like I said, it was fun. Um, it started off great with uh, Drew McIntyre going against Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship. Those two had a hell of a match to start to show off. Uh, Seth would retain the championship by pinfall after hitting a pedigree and following up with a curb stomp to win the match. Um, both guys went completely just throwing everything out to one another. See, at the beginning of the match, this match was dominated by Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre showed that he was hungry, he was doing whatever it took to uh, beat Seth. I mean, he would toss Seth around because Drew is a bigger man, literally taller and in stature than Seth. But Seth is no slouch. He still is able to lift up Drew, as you were able to see um, from times in the match. He was able to literally hit Drew with a suplex, hold him up in the air, hit him with a falcon arrow, even get him up in a power bomb. I mean, don't let... Seth's size fool you, he's able to lift up bigger men. So for him to lift up Drew, it made everything that what Seth was doing make sense because I don't think people would guess that Seth can lift up Drew if this is your first time just watching WWE, but uh, you've seen that happen. I think everybody put more respect on Seth Rollins' name. Um, Drew... As I said, he would do the power game with Seth. He would do the striking game with Seth. At uh, One of the moments that you saw from Drew in the match was when he countered Seth Rollins going for a suicide dive outside of the ring, and he catches him, and he hits him with a belly-to-belly suplex outside of the ring, and Seth hits his back, and you hear the smack that he hits on the ground, and Seth starts going and holding his lower back. So Drew has a target literally of the back, of Seth Rollins, the same back that Shinsuke Nakamura has been going after Seth for a couple months. So again, leading into this match, we already knew Seth was coming in with a targeted uh, bad back from the whole Nakamura feud. And Drew, he would use it. He would beat up on Seth. Seth would uh, fight back. But at the beginning, it was nothing but Drew. Towards the middle, it was a back and forth exchange between the two. All the way to the end, you will see uh, Drew hit Seth with a Claymore kick, and Seth kicks out. Seth would hit Drew with a pedigree, cover him, Drew would kick out. Then he would hit him with a curve stomp later in the match, he would kick out. Uh, Drew would hit a Future Shock DDT on Seth, and Seth would kick out. I mean, these two guys are really just throwing everything in their arsenal against each other to see who will win, and it ultimately was Seth, because there was a moment in this match where Drew showed kindness and weakness and he could have went after Seth way more but he just stopped and he saw how much pain Seth was in and he just looked at Seth and he tries to 
just tell Seth to like stay down and Seth, Seth would not stay down. Wade Barrett, who knows Drew McIntyre, will be on commentary said that Drew needs to finish Seth off. He doesn't need to be showing him weakness and kindness right now. And ultimately, if he would have listened to Wade Barrett, Drew would be your new World Heavyweight Champion. But that little hesitation of forgiveness, not forgiveness, but uh, empathy, compassion to his fellow competitor kind of cost Drew McIntyre in the end because once Seth will hit the pedigree and it followed up with the curb stomp and then covered Drew McIntyre for the win at the end of the match, you will see Drew just have a like stare in his eyes because he just can't believe he let the World Heavyweight Championship slip from his fingertips and now he has nobody but to blame for but himself because the previous attempts for a World Championship it was always the bloodline. That was always Drew's uh, circumstance. He will always get screwed because of the bloodline or before then screwed because of somebody else. It was never him losing under fair circumstances. This match, he lost under fair circumstances. Just as Seth would tell him a couple weeks on Raw that I'm going to give you the greatest gift and is that I'm going to beat you with nobody helping me. And guess what? You're going to have to look inward with yourself to figure out why you cannot seal the deal so with drew now having this bug eye look i'm pretty sure those words are coming right back to him and now he's gonna have to figure out why he didn't seal the deal what kept him and stopped him from doing so so when drew leaves the ring he still has a bug eye look on his face and he will leave the ring and damian priest music would hit priest would run down to the ring with the referee he looks to cash in his money in the bank contract but a disguised Sami Zayn would shove Priest into the ring post take the money in the bank briefcase go into the crowd hold it up and Priest would give chase to Sami so no money to make cash in here Seth is still your world heavyweight champion and like after this like little moment will we get done we'll go to the back Drew McIntyre he's sitting on a crate and he just still looking dejected about losing that match. And Rhea Ripley will walk up to Drew and look at him, kind of like with a smug face, and then walk away. And Drew, he will look at Rhea for a minute, but then he will just get back to just being so dejected. And this was a face of Rhea telling Drew, you should have took up my offer for you to be in the Judgment Day. You would be the World Heavyweight Champion. So now we're going to probably see Rhea probably telling Drew on Monday Night Raw, I told you so. Judgment Day telling Drew, I told you so. And this is going to lead Drew more into his uh, descent into madness because he wants to be world champion and he just can't get it. Now, next up, we have the fatal uh, five-way match for the Women's World Championship. You have Rhea Ripley defending her title against Raquel Rodriguez, uh, Nia Jax, Zoe Starks, and Shayna Baszler. Rhea would win and retain her championship by pinfall by hitting Zoe Starks with an avalanche riptide onto Raquel, who was pinning Shayna at the moment. And then you will see Rhea pin Shayna to win the match. It was a solid uh, Fatal 5-Way match. The biggest uh, opponent, the biggest challenger in this match was Nia Jax. So you knew from time to time they would try to get at Nia, but Nia, like, Eliminated herself out of the ring at first. All four of the women can battle it out amongst themselves. 
And from time to time, Nia would get in there and start attacking the women. But I would say this match was really the other four ladies. Nia was a participant, but she really didn't have much uh, stake in the match. You saw uh, Zoe try to show out because Zoe was literally the dark horse in this match because nobody really gives Zoe that much credit as you would give a Shayna or even a Nia or Raquel. And obviously, Aria, you give all of them credibility. You all give them a shot at winning the title. But Zoe Stark, she was the dark horse. At one moment in the match, you will see her hit like a plancha onto uh, the three other ladies. I believe it was Raquel, Shayna, and I believe it was Nia. If it wasn't Nia, it was Rhea. And ultimately, she would get like Rhea into the ring and hit the Z360 on Rhea. And at that moment... Like, Zoe has a shot at becoming Women's World Champion and pins Rhea, but it just couldn't get the job done because somebody breaks it up. Now we move over to Shayna. Shayna Baszler, she would have her moment in the match as well whenever she locks in, I believe, a heel hookish type of maneuver onto Rhea and Nia Jax at the same time. Nope, it was Rhea and I believe Raquel, or if it's not Raquel, it was Zoe at the exact same time. And then she will hook a like sleeper hold onto Nia Jax at the exact same time. And now you got Shayna just holding all three of these women in a submission and all of them are trying to fight out of it. Oh no, it was uh, Raquel, Rhea, and Nia because Zoe will have to like break it up. There we go. So Shayna, she has her moment here. She would uh, constantly just be fighting it out. But the MVP in this match was... Uh, Raquel, because Raquel, she would do battle with Rhea in this match. She would do battle with uh, Nia. She would even hit Nia with a Tejano bomb, and she would get, like, kicked out of that Tejano bomb because someone interfered and, like, broke up the pin. Everybody knew their objective in this match, to do what they got to do, do your stuff, cool, but in the end... Rhea was going to win and retain her title. Everybody knew it was going to happen. It was a fun, fatal five-way match. Um, but again, ultimately, the ending was Rhea retaining her women's uh, world championship. Now, next up, we get to John Cena going against Solo Sokoa. Solo would win the match by pinfall by hitting multiple Samoan spikes onto John Cena. And when I mean by multiple, I mean multiple. My guy will hit him with one Samoan spike. And then he will lift John Cena up and hit him with another. And then he will lift him up and hit him with another. And then as John Cena is laying down, you see uh, Solo like kind of pull Cena's body up just a little so he could just start rapidly just more spiking him in the throat chest area like three, four, five more times and then cover John to win the match. It got to a point that Michael Cole and Wade were like, come on, the referee needs to do something like call the match by like towards the end of the match because Solo, he just got so angry and he wants to make a point to John because I think Solo felt the words of John Cena cooking him on SmackDown uh, when he called Solo a bargain bin Taz that Solo really took that to heart that he had to really show John that he's not a bargain bin Taz. He's his own man. He's actually a brutal uh, machine. And I like that Solo did that towards the end of the match because Solo is being presented as a monster, which he should be, since he is the right hand of destruction for uh, the bloodline. And he's been that guy for 
literally a whole solid year. So for him to do that to John Cena here, I have no problem with that. John Cena, I mean, he put up a fight with Solo at the beginning of the match. He gave uh, Solo some shine. I mean, he was doing what he was doing. It was a typical John Cena match. There's nothing uh, wrong with a John Cena match as long as you know what's going to happen. But the end, I don't think nobody saw the end going that way of Solo just constantly just like spiking John so many times. In my predictions, I said this match can go either way. And I would love if John did give this win to Solo, but I ultimately picked John to win. But I was happy that he gave the shine to Solo, to be honest. Because Solo is the future, and John Cena, again, with the SAG after stuff, you don't know if he's going to be around WWE after this, or he's going to still stick with this until Hollywood calls. Nobody knows anything. So John, given the win to Solo, I'm glad that uh, Solo got it. After the match, you will see Solo uh, leave the ring and walk up the ramp, giving John basically the ring so John can get the uh, adulation and applause from the crowd. The crowd would say, thank you, Cena. Cena would just get up, like, nod to the people, and he would walk up the ramp and start taking off his wristbands and then go to the back. So right now, we have no idea if this was the last time that we will see John Cena in a WWE ring. If it is, I'm glad he gave the rub out to Solo as his last match, but I doubt it, completely honest with you, because they got to hype that up. John Cena's final match of his career, they're going to hype that. So for them to give Solo this match, this big moment at this particular event, I'm happy, but this isn't the last time we've seen John in a WWE ring. This isn't. Um, next up, we have the United States Championship match. Rey Mysterio defending the title against Logan Paul. Logan Paul is now your new United States Champion because he will win the match by nefarious uh, tactics when one of his lackeys gave him brass knuckles the same way that he did Ricochet at SummerSlam. But the difference was here, uh, Ray would kick Logan in the back. Logan would be sent flying into the corner. And with this, Logan would drop the brass knuckles and it'd be sent outside of the ring next to the steps so now you see logan trying to tell his lackey to go get the uh back the brass knuckles and santos escobar he would appear santos would grab the brass knuckles start looking at the lackey looking at logan paul saying you're not going to use the brass knuckles and santos he would literally walk over to the ring leave the brass knuckles there and start chasing after logan paul's lackey and chase him out of the ringside area into the crowd and Logan would just watch this and Ray again would like kick Logan into position right next to the brass knuckles into the 619 spot Logan seeing the brass knuckles right there he'll take the kick he'll be right there positioned up he'll grab the brass knuckles Logan would eat the kick to the face for the 619 and then as Ray would hop off the top rope Logan will pop Ray in the face with the brass knuckles, cover him one, two, three. That's how Logan Paul is now your new United States champion. Solid match between Logan Paul and Rey Mysterio. Uh, Logan, he went after Ray's midsection here, his lower back. Uh, he put him in a bear hug. He would put him in an Argentina backbreaker. Um, he would do a tilt world backbreaker. Logan Paul, he was going after Rey Mysterio's midsection, the stomach, the back, all that stuff. And Logan Paul, he would, uh, he's still improving. 
I mean, he's already, as I said before in the predictions, he knows a lot about the business. He's uh, been trading well. He does what he does. I'm not, I'm not mad at him as a performer, but him as a person, I don't really like the kid, but he's good. He's good in the ring. It's undeniable. He even mimicked uh, the Ultimate Warrior by pre like Gorilla Press slamming Rey Mysterio, the hidden the Ultimate Warrior splash. Uh, he, Logan Paul is good. There's no way you cannot see that. You can't deny it because if you do, you're just hating on him just to hate. And I don't hate like that, at least for Logan, like not for now. Um, but Logan Paul, he had a great match with Rey Mysterio there. It's not of the same equal of action that he gave Roman Reigns last year at Crown Jewel. But it's Rey. Rey is not going to be flying around like he was in his freaking 20s, 30s, or even like early 40s. He's not doing it like that. But Rey, he was still able to give Logan a good match here at Crown Jewel. But the prime objective was for Logan to be the United States champion, and now he's that champion. And now where does this leave uh, Santos and Rey? I think Rey is going to... Uh, look at the footage, see that Santos left the brass knuckles there and probably question him a little bit. Like, why didn't you take the knuckles with you whenever you were chasing after the lackey? Why did you leave it at the ringside area? Uh, then that's going to cause some, like, disruption in LWO. And now they got to make the decision with Santos or Ray. I think that might go into that situation because Santos and Ray, they're going to have a feud. That's, there's no other choice. You, you kind of see it already building into play. So, I just want to see what type of like road they're taking for that. But with Logan Paul in the United States title, I don't see Logan Paul coming to SmackDown every single week. It's not happening. I don't see Logan Paul coming to Survivor Series. If he does, cool, but I don't see that happening. I see Logan Paul probably doing uh, social media stuff with the United States title. Uh, he'll show up at a Royal Rumble, show up at a Mania, show up at the Elimination Chamber since it's going to be in Australia. Those are the type of things. Survivor Series in Chicago, I don't see Logan Paul showing up there. If he does, that'd be great with the United States title, but eh, we'll see. I think that you're going to have Logan Paul do a lot of social media stuff with the United States belt, to be honest. But again, solid match between both of those guys. Congrats to Logan for being the new United States champion. Uh, next up, we had the WWE Women's Championship match. Eos Guy defending her title against Bianca Belair. Io would retain her championship by pinfall thanks to Bailey and a returning Kyrie Sane interfering. When Bailey would constantly interfere in the match, Bianca would finally have enough of it and go attack Bailey outside of the ring. Bailey would uh, get hosted up on Bianca's shoulders for the KOD, and as Bianca's about to do it, you would see a returning Kyrie Sane pull Bailey off of Bianca's shoulders, and you would see Bianca stare at Kyrie, Kyrie will hit Bianca with a spinning back fist and then get on the barricade, jump off, hit her with a forearm. This would knock Bianca into the ring post and knock her down on the ground. The referee would start doing the counts and Bianca would get in the ring by the count of nine and immediately Io would hit Bianca with a moonsault and that's how Io would retain her WWE Women's Championship. Now, solid match between Io and Bianca Belair is good. It's not as I'm not going to say it's not on the caliber of their uh, backlash match that they have this year, but it was solid. I'm not trashing it. The big thing that really came out of this was the aftermath because when Kyrie got in the ring and Kyrie and EO started beating up on 
Bianca. You didn't see Bailey get in the ring. Bailey just kind of like watched by the commentary table. Kyrie will hit her insane elbow on Bianca. And then after that, you see uh, EO and Kyrie celebrate with each other. And Bailey, she just has a like shock look on her face because Michael Cole would mention on commentary that the last time Kyrie Saint was in WWE, Bailey was beating up on Kyrie that made Kyrie basically leave the WWE. So now this puts damage control at a situation because Kyrie and EO are best friends. They're good friends. They're former tag partners over there in Japan. Again, Michael Cole will mention this. Uh, and Bailey, she just looked shocked at this. So is damage control basically broken up now? Does Dakota ride with Bailey? Does Dakota stay with EO now? Is are we gonna see Kyrie try to join damage control and probably kick Bailey out? Again, there's a lot of things that's gonna be at play with this. Cause Bailey, she didn't look too pleased. She looked like she saw a ghost, like, oh my god. So Bailey's meal ticket, her golden cash cow might be out. We don't know. That's just the whole fun thing about this thing with the storyline with damage control now. Now that you add a new component in there. And when Dakota gets better, is she going to turn on Bailey? Is she going to ride with Bailey? It, that's the whole deal. And also, Asuka. Asuka, she's cool with Kyrie. Uh, will we see Kyrie talk to Asuka so we can get Kyrie, Asuka, and Io together? I don't know. Again, there's a lot of moving pieces there with that. So SmackDown's Women's Division is kind of loaded right now, and I'm not mad at it. I hope they continue to uh, mix a lot of things up and uh, work the way that they're working. Also, Bianca Belair, she's going to be fine. Bianca Belair, more likely going to get vengeance some type of way, and it's going to lead us into a War Games match at Survivor Series because War Games is back at Survivor Series this year. They already kind of promoted that on their... Uh, commercial for Survivor Series, so expect something to come around. At least I would for Bianca Belair and the women on SmackDown with damage control. That's at least my thought process. Now we go over to Damian Priest versus Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes would win the match by pinfall by hitting three crossroads for the win. This is the usual uh, Judgment Day match with Anybody. You can exchange Cody and put him in with Sammy. You can exchange Sammy and put him in with Jay. Or anybody that the Judgment Day is feuding with, put them in this match and it's the exact same match. Same thing. Judgment Day members coming out, trying to interfere. Whoever they're going against, whoever they're friends with, would come down to make the save. In this instance, it was Jay. Jay will come down, super kick, uh, pr not Priest, super kick Finn. Sugar super kick JD McDonough, super kick Dominic Mysterio, take a chair, uh, start running all three of them to the back so Cody can have a fair one on one matchup with Priest towards the end of the match. And that's about it. There's nothing special about this match, to be honest. If anything, this just gives Cody a uh, momentum boost as he goes into his next venture. Does he want to go and grab the tag team titles back with Jay? That's a possibility on the table. Does he will still want to go after? Uh, each member of the Judgment Day because Judgment Day, they never ever talked about Judgment Day's deal with the bloodline because Cody still wants to finish his story and we all know the story is him winning WWE title who is uh, still being held by Roman Reigns. Oh yeah, spoiler, Roman beat LA Knight. I'm going to get to that in a minute. So again, we're still going into that. 
what are we doing with Cody there? Judgment Day, Priest. Are we going to get Priest going after Sammy? Well, obviously, because Sammy still has the money to make briefcase, but uh, there's still a lot of moving things there. Uh, Priest with Judgment Day, with Rhea, everything else with that. There's a lot of things moving with that situation, but with Cody now beating Priest, I think they're going at the tag team titles, and once they fail to do that, I think Cody and whoever his compadres are will be facing Judgment Day inside of the War Games because Cody has an affiliation with War Games because that was the match that his father uh, created. He never got to compete in a War Games match, even in AEW. The first Blood and Guts match was supposed to be Cody and his friends, the Elite, going against Chris Jericho and his people of the Inner Circle, but that match never happened because of COVID in 2020. Uh, Cody left in 2022. They had a match in 2021. They didn't do Cody with that one. Cody left in 2022. He wasn't able to do that there. Cody never went to uh, NXT. NXT previously had it, but they brought the War Games match up to WWE main roster literally just last year. So now with it being 2023, I see Cody doing this. And Cody, I think he would just want to do it just because he wants to pay homage to his father, a man that he loves so much. So... I see Cody and whoever his compadres are going against Judgment Day next in the uh, War Games match, which will lead to Cody still trying to go on his road to finishing his story, more than likely at WrestleMania. Now, we go over into the main event. We talk about the WWE Undisputed Universal Heavyweight Championship match, LA Knight challenging Roman for said title. Uh, Roman would win the match by pinfall. Shocker. Thanks to Jimmy Uso interfering when Ellie Knight would hit the BFT, Blunt Force Trauma, and cover Roman Reigns. Jimmy would grab Roman's foot and put it on the rope. And Ellie Knight would then leave the ring to go after Jimmy. Now, once Ellie Knight would grab Jimmy, he would back suplex Jimmy through the commentator's table. Roman, he would leave the ring and he would spear Ellie Knight through the barricade. He would then pick Ellie Knight up throw him into the ring, and then spear LA Knight to win the match here. Solid match between LA Knight and Roman Reigns. I did like how Roman Reigns and LA Knight got straight to it, especially LA Knight on his part, because this whole story was LA Knight's first time going after a championship, at least in WWE. Um, so they try to say that he's inexperienced. He went full throttle at the beginning of the match, punching Roman kicking him, hitting him with the swinging neck breaker. Roman Reigns had a, like, back elbow uh, LA Knight in the jaw to kind of pause LA Knight's momentum, and then Roman had to, like, slow the match down to work at his style, a main event style match, Roman's match. And that's basically what the match was all about, proving how LA Knight might be inexperienced in the main event, but LA Knight can still work in the main event. He can... Uh, do what he got to do, and how so close he was to beating Roman Reigns and that if Jimmy Uso wasn't there, he would have won. Because even Wade Barrett, who's a guy that loves Roman Reigns, he loves LA Knight. So this was both of his guys going at it. And at the end of the match, Wade Barrett would mention that LA Knight got screwed. He would be your new WWE champion if it wasn't for Jimmy Uso. So now you got even the villain commentator mentioning how we would have a new champion if it wasn't for someone else. And that is usually not in the villain playbook. They usually just go with a bigger villain and try to make up some cocky, many uh, type of excuse for it. But Wade Barry didn't do that here for LA Knight. So that's what this match was literally all about. 
LA Knight showing that he can hang with Roman, showing that he does belong in the main event. And I feel that LA Knight was able to showcase that with Roman. Now, if LA Knight was able to do a match with Seth Rollins in the main event, I think we would got a different version of LA Knight. A still full throttle LA Knight, but I think we would have got a more uh, athletically type of built from LA Knight. Because LA Knight, he could do springboard stuff when he wants to pull it out. That's when he wants to. And uh, he didn't need to do that here with Roman. He was able to hit his same stuff, do his LA Knight elbow drop, do the whole yeah thing, get the fans, uh, get the fans pulling for him, making uh, the people really care for him. Uh, Roman, that's his style. He has the fans engaged. Roman smacks talks. He does all that type of stuff. So LA Knight and Roman, they were the perfect mix. It was a solid match from both ends. It wasn't the athletically type match that you would want it to be. But again, it's two big guys doing their stuff. I would say this brings back to, and God, they're going to hate people saying this, but it's the truth. It brings back a Rock and Austin type of mentality match that LA Knight and Roman Reigns worked here. And I'm not mad at that, to be honest. I, I think it worked perfectly for these two guys. And again, the story was LA Knight, he is an experience, but he can knock it out once he's on the plate. And he did that here. I think LA Knight's going to be in a lot more main events to come. And I think this was just the opening the door for him so he could walk through. And I think LA Knight's now into that main event spot now. So all they need to do is just keep the momentum on for him. Now, where does this leave us with Roman Reigns and LA Knight? I don't know. I don't think Roman Reigns is doing another war games. He did it last year. I don't think that's happening. I think they're saving Roman for something else. So I'm not certain if he's even going to be at Survivor Series, to be honest. He might be, might not. LA Knight, I think he wants to try to go after Jimmy Uso. And as I said, with uh, Bloodline having their deal with the Judgment Day, which they still haven't uh, really revealed, I think in that war games match that I mentioned, I think LA Knight will be one of the guys that joins Cody to go against uh, Bloodline and Judgment Day in the War Games match, to be honest. But again, we'll have to wait and see with that. I think that's where we're going with it. But yeah, now with that, uh, the match of the night to me was Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. As I said, Cody and Priest, that match could have been on Monday Night Raw. And I say that with no disrespect. I like both guys, but that was just a Monday Night Raw style matchup that we had on a premium live event. So those are my opinions on the matches. I hope everybody enjoyed listening to me. Uh, it's time for me to get you guys out of here. If you did not listen to my Sunday episode, which is out now, it's called My Opinion. Go listen to that. And if you didn't listen to my midweek episode, it is out right now. You can go listen to that as well. Uh, I will be coming back again with another midweek episode this upcoming Wednesday. Saturday, another episode of Wrestling Highlights of the Week, and as usual, my Sunday episodes where I talk about anything and everything in the news this past week. So, with that being said, this has been your My Two Cents Podcast WWE uh, Crown Jewel Review. I hope you guys have a great day. I love you all. Be blessed.